This is the Talk of Fame Network, featuring Hall of Fame voters Ron Borges from the Boston Herald, Rick Gosselin of the Dallas Morning News, and your Hall of Fame host, Clark Judge. And now, let the debates begin. Who is a Hall of Famer? Will they be enshrined in Canton? Do they have the numbers to get in? Let the experts who make the decision tell you who will be signing their name with HOF next to it. And now, it's the Talk of Fame Network. This is Clark, along with Rick and Ron, and while you can hear our voices, we're actually not really here. True story. No, it sounds as if we are, but that's the miracle of radio. We're on vacation, but our voices... Well, they aren't, and neither are the voices of some of our favorite guests. So what you're going to hear for the next two hours are some of our best interviews from the past year, starting, well, starting right now. And our next guest, player, assistant coach, and head coach with the Silver and Black, that's Archell. And Archell, of course, is more than that. He's not only a Hall of Fame left tackle for 15 years with the Raiders, he's also a groundbreaking pioneer. As a player, he was an eight-time Pro Bowl selection member of the 1970s All-Decade Team, and an inductee to the Hall of Fame in 1989. Same year, of course, he took over as the first African-American coach in the NFL in 65 years. He went 12-4 and the following season when he was named NFL Coach of the Year and took the Raiders to the playoffs five times in six years before being fired by Al Davis, with Al later saying it was one of the biggest mistakes he ever made. Of course, that didn't stop Archell. He went on to become the highest-ranking African-American executive in the league when he was named Senior Vice President for Football Operations and Development in 2004. Now now we've got him. Archell, thanks for joining us. Oh, thanks for having me, guys. Well, Art, we're talking about the Raiders and the Chiefs, and uh, you and I obviously remember a lot about that. But uh, that rivalry, in my mind, was never more heated than uh, right after the uh, – the merger on November 1st of 1970, which was the first time the Chiefs and Raiders had played once the league was merged. Uh, and you were in that game. I think it was your first year as a starter. And the Chiefs led 17-14 late in the game. You may recall Ben Davidson diving on the pile and slamming his helmet into Len Dawson's uh, helmet. And Otis Taylor lost his mind. And the next thing I know, there was a bench-clearing brawl. So I'm wondering, where were you during that brawl? And what were you thinking about the Chiefs' rivalry uh, as a young first-year starter? Well, I was on the sideline watching, you know, it was, uh, of course, it was in Kansas City. And when I first came to the Raiders, I found out about the rivalry between the two teams, and it was huge. And, um, of course, uh, it seemed like all the players played with the edge and a chip on their shoulders. And when Ben tackled Dawson, and um, some of the Chiefs didn't like the way he tackled him, it seemed like all hell broke loose. (laughs) And there was a lot of people out on the field. Some people throwing punches and kicking and going on, but Ben came out of a smiling because that's just the way Ben was. He played within the edge, and he enjoyed that kind of stuff. Part in 62, the then-Dallas Texans, soon-to-be Chiefs, traded a quarterback named Cotton Davidson to the Raiders for what became the first overall pick of the 63 AFL draft. The Chiefs took Buck Buchanan. If the Raiders had wow. made that pick, how would that have changed this rivalry? If we had taken Buck? Yes, sir. Wow. <laughs> you're, talking about a great, you're talking about a great player. They had a lot. I always said they had one of the biggest defensive lines around as well as one of the biggest uh, offensive lines around. And you got a guy like Buck Buchanan who was just a fantastic 6'7", 275 pounds, to move like a, a deer. I wish he was a Raider. As a matter of fact, 
That's one of the reasons why Al Davis drafted Gene Upshaw. He drafted Upshaw because Bob Buchanan was sitting over there, over over the left guard spot, and he figured he needed somebody to compete against him. Up, he was standing at six five and uh, weighed about two sixty five, and Buck, of course, was a little bit taller and a little bit heavier. But Gene um, was brought in to compete against him. That was the reason why, the big reason why the Raiders drafted Gene Upshaw. Pretty good decision. Yes, it was. <laughs> we're with former Raiders player and coach Art Shell on the Talk of Fame Network. And Art, we're talking about the Raiders-Chiefs rivalry. And it really, it seems like it really wasn't much of one in the 70s and 80s. I think the Raiders were something like 24-13-2, um, and two, something like that, against the Chiefs. Anyway, the question is, how much, if anything, did that take out of the rivalry? Uh, you mean about the, the way that the talent level they had? Well, the fact that the Raiders just dominated the Chiefs. Well, we had dominated. There was always competitive um, uh, situation between the two organizations and the teams, of course, uh, playing on the field. And uh, it didn't take away from us. It just, it, we, just, we felt good about being able to beat them during that time period. They were down as far as talent was concerned. But you know they weren't going to stay down too long. They would eventually come back and be a very competitive football team. Simply put, Art, if you could describe it, why do you think it is that those two teams really seem to hate each other? I mean, you, know, you see rivalries all the time, but, you know, uh, Marty Schottenheimer, you know, who you, you also worked for, you know, lost his mind on Raider Week, putting signs all over the building. People said Bobby <laughs> Bell tell a story. You know, what was it that, that made it such a intense and some would say hate-filled rivalry? Winning. <laughs> when you win, there becomes a hatred for the team that wins and wins a lot. And uh, of course, during the time after initially, you know, the Raiders and the Chiefs became this big rivalry. But to us, to the Raiders, we felt we had rivalry everywhere we went. Every team we played was a rivalry. But of course, the Chiefs was number one, along with San Diego. And but the Chiefs, um, for a lot of years, um, like you said, early in the seventies. And in the mid-70s, you know, we were we were winning and winning a lot of games during that time frame. Of course, then the hatreds were going to grow. Same thing with Denver. I remember playing against Tom um, Tom Jackson and Al Alzado. Those guys hated our guts. But when you win, just like the Packers, when you win a lot of games, teams have a tendency not to like you. They, get, they grow to the point where they hate you. Not literally hate you, but they hate you, hate the way you play and the way you win. Hey, Art, horror of horrors. You also coached as, a, as an assistant with the Chiefs in the mid to late 1990s. What was it like on the other side of the rivalry? <laughs> he was a traitor. Uh, I, I appreciated Marty Schottenheimer, you know, for giving me an opportunity to coach with him. Uh, of course, I was let go by the Raiders and an opportunity opened up for Marty, and I accepted it. And I remember the first time we were getting ready to play the Raiders. We were sitting in the meeting room, team meeting. And um, Marty standing up there, Marty said, uh, Art, you have to forgive me for what I'm going to say. <laughs> and, and you're going to hear some things that I say you may not like. So I'm saying right now, forgive me. So, you know, then he went on his field about the Raiders and why why he felt we could beat the Raiders uh, and because and of what the way the Raiders played. And we, as a Chiefs, we've had... Uh, success versus the Raiders because uh, he said it. He said, look, the Raiders crack at the end of the game. You stay with them the whole game. They will crack at the end. And there was a tendency at that time that that would happen. We played well for a while. And then when I was at the Raiders and then in the fourth quarter, Chiefs found a way to win. 
and so that was something that had to be overcome by everybody else. But that was a week. That was a radio week, man. And I'm telling you, it was hot and heavy in practice. <laughs> <laughs> you didn't help him put any of those signs up around the building, did you? <laughs> no, I, I couldn't do that. I couldn't do that. But I was preparing. I was preparing my group to get ready to play the Raiders uh, and beat the Raiders because I was now with the Kansas City Chiefs. Hey, Art, I want to take you back in time uh, to 1969, and we're on with Art Shell, former tackle and coach, of course, of the Oakland Raiders. But the, the final AFL championship game, and the Chiefs played in Oakland. And what happened was, of course, the Chiefs won in Oakland 17-7. And a week yeah. later, they also won Super Bowl Four. Question for you. How yeah. bitter was that loss? And did both teams in the AFL championship game at that time believe the winner was going to win the Super Bowl? We believe that we were... We were better than the Chiefs, of course, and we believe that uh, we that we would win the Super Bowl, and and we rooted for the Chiefs to win the Super Bowl game after they beat us. Of course, um, I can't remember exactly what happened, but that was a big loss for us that hurt us tremendously. We lost to them because we had beaten them three times that year. We beat them twice during the regular season and in preseason. And then you lose them in the championship game, and that was that was heartbreaking. We we it was tough to get over that, but we felt that uh, we were good enough to beat them and also win the Super Bowl. And just like we, my rookie year, and we in six days we played the Jets in the championship game. We thought we should have gone on and and won the first Super Bowl for the for the AFL. One thing I wanted to ask you, uh, Art, and you and I have talked about this uh, in the past when you took over for Shanahan in 1989. What, how heavy was the burden of history uh, on your shoulders? It was it was heavy in the sense that I had an opportunity. Uh, it, it what's interesting about that, uh, when I became an assistant coach, of course, years before I told Al I wanted to become a coach, and he said, when you retire, we'll sit down and talk about it. And Tom Flores allowed me to evolve and be a part of his staff. Art, unfortunately, we got to go about closing this segment out. But <laughs> we want to thank you for joining well, us. Well, I appreciate I appreciate you guys having me on, and I had a nice time talking with you. Yeah, well, thanks, thanks for sharing God. the memories of your career and also a remarkable rivalry. Uh, we'll have yeah. you on again, Art. Okay, anytime. <laughs> that was Hall of Famer Art Shell. Coming up, more of our best interviews from the past year. This is the Talk of Fame Network. Motel 6 has the message our nation is seeking. Motel 6 is a great choice for travelers. With the highest standards. A clean, comfortable room with everything you need and nothing you don't. Fiscally responsible. Lowest price of any national chain. Dedicated. We'll leave the light on for you. Motel 6. Right on travel. Right for America. I'm Tom Bodette, and, um, yeah, I approve this message. Book online at motel6.com. There's a reason why so many celebrities use Proactive. Their faces are their money. And it's time for you to get it because Proactive has set up a special 800 number. For just $19.95, you'll get Proactive and a rotating deep cleansing brush. A $45 value, yours free. For only $19.95, you're guaranteed to get clear and stay clear or your money back. Here's the number, 1-800-644-5944. Call now for a lifetime of beautiful skin. 1-800-644-5944. Progressive presents Mindflowness with Flow. Open your mind. Notice a world of insurance rates at your fingertips. Compare the rates. For when you compare, you save. And when you save, you win. Like an eight-foot-tall basketball player protecting the rim with a fire hose. 
Compare Progressive Direct Rates with top competitors' rates for ultimate fulfillment. Visit Progressive.com. Progressive Casualty Insurance Company and Affiliates. Comparison rates not available in all states or situations. Prices vary based on how you buy. Hi, this is Lori Grenier. You've seen me on Shark Tank. Throughout my career, I've developed hundreds of innovative products that make people's lives easier. That's what Cabbage does for small business owners. They've developed a simple and flexible way for business owners to access a line of credit of up to $100,000. Apply online or from your phone. You will get a decision in minutes and can start using your funds immediately. Cabbage has provided over $2 billion to 80,000 small businesses like yours. To get started, visit Cabbage.com or call 888-CABBAGE. Make Cabbage your first resort for business funding. Hey, we love Burger King Grilled Dogs. They're made with 100% beef, and they're 100%. Mm, they're so good, they make us want to sing like... I can't believe it. Burger King made a grilled dog. Made with 100% beef. Flame grilled anytime you want. July 23rd is the most important holiday of the year, National Hot Dog Day. Celebrate by going to Burger King and asking for the Dollar Classic Grilled Dog deal. How else are you going to celebrate? Try the $1 Classic Grilled Dog only at Burger King. At participating restaurants, July 23rd, limit five per transaction while supplies last. War, poverty, and disaster have left millions of children around the world orphaned, abandoned, alone. When their parents can't be there, SOS Children's Villages is there. SOS Children's Villages is the world's largest nonprofit for orphaned and abandoned children. In 134 countries, including the U.S., SOS Children's Villages provides vulnerable children with a loving and stable family, medical care, and an education. To make a difference in the life of a child, go to SOS-USA.org. Now, back to the Talk of Fame Network with Ron Borges. Cannot play with him. Rick Gosselin. Cannot win with him. And Clark Judge. Cannot coach with him. Can't do it. I want winners. We've got a winner right here. Carl Mecklenburg, a.k.a. the Albino Rhino, may have been the most <laughs> versatile defensive player in NFL history. Didn't play both ways, not like Chuck Bednarik, but for 12 years he played nearly everywhere in the Denver defense. His resume tells you he was a six-time Pro Bowl linebacker, but what it doesn't say he played every front seven position in Joe Collier's 3-4 defense. And sometimes, yes, yeah, sometimes, all in the same game. When he retired after the 94 season, Carl Mecklenburg was the Broncos' all-time sack leader with 79 and a half. And today, 21 years later, not only second only to Simon Fletcher, the team franchise, but one of 25 semifinalists for the Halls class of 2016. He's also our guest. Carl, thanks for joining us. Uh, my pleasure. Carl, I was talking to Joe Collier uh, not too long ago, and he said that uh, you often had double and triple the assignments of everybody else on defense. I was just sort of wanting, you know, playing at one time or another seven different positions, as, as Clark said, how did you juggle preparation to play all those different positions? And did it ever, in your opinion, take you away from what you might have accomplished in just one position? I don't think it took me away from what I would have accomplished in one position. The only reason Joe moved me around was to uh, – force mismatches and, and mess up blocking assignments for the other uh, other team. He was trying to put me at the point of attack. I was I was a 12th round draft pick. I was the 310th guy picked in the draft because I wasn't the fastest guy in the world. <laughs> I was quick, but I, if I was playing outside linebacker and they were running the other way, there was no way I was going to run them down. So Joe moved me around, uh, and it was it was a great opportunity for me. I, I didn't ever look at it as a negative. Correct me if I'm wrong, but I believe you, this is incredible to me, you failed to make your high school hockey team, basketball team, and baseball team. <laughs> uh, you failed yeah. to get a D1 scholarship originally. You went to Augustana for a couple of years before you transferred to Minnesota. And then, as you point out, you were a 12th-round draft choice. Did you ever doubt yourself and your athletic ability? 
I, I learned ways to compensate. The real difference once you get to the pros between the guys that are, are real successful and those that aren't are the, those who are able to be decisive. If you can take that first step in the right direction before anybody else does, all the angles change in your favor. You can make plays all day long that way. I always figured if I had to run 40 yards, uh, we were in big trouble anyway. So. <laughs> <laughs> Not the albino rhino. Uh-uh, he can run 40 yards. <laughs> we're I can run with... 40 yards. It's just not as fast as a lot of the other guys. <laughs> there you go. Uh, well, we're with that rhino. That's Carl Mecklenburg on the Talk of Fame Network. And, and, Carl, there's a story that says the Broncos discovered you when they were watching film of Chris Hinton, and you beat him for two sacks. Now, I remember Chris because I was covering the Colts when they when the Broncos drafted him, and then of course 1983 when they traded him to Baltimore for John Elway and took you, was that good luck on the Broncos' fortune or the Broncos' part, or was it simply good scouting? You know, uh, they they did send two different scouts to scout me, ran me through the whole batch of tests they run you through. I, I wasn't invited to the combine that year, so uh, they kind of had had me to themselves. Uh, Atlanta was looking at me, and Atlanta would have drafted me uh, in a higher round than the 12th round. They were talking about the 7th round. But their first two draft choices were defensive linemen, pass rushers, which is what I was in, in college. It wasn't until my third year in the NFL that I ever played linebacker and didn't start till the 10th game and made the Pro Bowl that year as an all-pro linebacker. So uh, I was I was a late bloomer and, and really found my, my place in, in football there, uh, you know, in my third year. And, it, and it's kudos to Joe. I mean, Joe and, and uh, Merle Moore – uh, Joe Collier and Merle Moore identified uh, something about me that, that they thought they could take advantage of and, and use uh, as a linebacker, and no other coach had ever seen that. Hey, Carl, um, only four Broncos are in the Hall of Fame. And, and, you know, Denver's been to the Super Bowl seven times, but only four Broncos in the Hall of Fame. And you've been a semifinalist five straight years but never reached the finals. Question for you. All offensive players, too. Yeah, that's right. That is that is right. That's yeah, right. In fact, right. fact, we were pushing Steve Atwater on a recent show for the Hall of Fame, too. I mean, you've got Gratishar, you, Atwater. I mean, there are numbers of guys. Um, and I guess my question is, had your team won one of the three Super Bowls that you played in, do you think things might have been different either for you or the Broncos in Canton? You know, I'm not sure. Uh, it, you know, it, there, there's lots of guys in Canton who never played in a, in a Super Bowl. Uh, never. There's guys in the in Canton who never played in a playoff game. Uh, it's it's uh, it's interesting the different kind of filters that people use to decide whether someone's a Hall of Fame player or not. I mean, Randy Gratisher was an unbelievable player. He, he he was dominant, but but they say well he played for ten years. He didn't he didn't play as long as some guys. We've got a Louis Wright out here who was just uh, yeah. the uh, original shutdown corner. And he doesn't get mentioned. We got Dennis Smith, who was he was scared running backs. I mean, uh, I heard interv an interview of Thurman Thomas about uh, what about the Broncos, and he said that Dennis Smith is crazy. I don't want. <laughs> I, mean, I don't want. I mean, we we had some unbelievable players through the years uh, here here in Denver that uh, obviously deserve recognition, um, but. There's there's players across the league that deserve recognition and and it's it's a I mean my situation is strange because I played all seven front positions uh, and my statistics don't match up with someone who just played one position I don't mm -hmm. I don't have as many sacks as somebody who rushed the passer every right. down I don't have some you know as many interceptions or tackles as someone who played middle linebacker every down and so so I, I think one of the challenges that I face in in 
uh, having the opportunity to go to the, the Hall of Fame is, is that statistically uh, people don't know what to do with me. Uh, yeah. I, I, I'm thinking, though, this year uh, with with uh, some of the things J.J. Watt is doing and, and Clay Matthews are doing um, as far as moving around, and, you know, obviously Matthews is just moving around as a linebacker and Watt is just moving around as a lineman, but uh, may, maybe the uh, difficulty of, of being able to play – you know, all seven front positions. A lot of times in a single game, maybe uh, is is brought to light a little bit by what they're able to do. I want to ask you. I mean, your father was a doctor. Mom served in the Reagan administration. You were close, I think, to attending med school. Why football over medical career? I knew I loved football pre med, and I and I took the entrance exam and and scored well enough to go. But but pre med doesn't have a whole lot to do with being a doctor. It's kind of a weeding out process. I mean, mm. you, you you don't see a lot of doctors doing inorganic chemistry or, you know, I mean, whatever, all the, <laughs> right, all the stuff right. you have to do. I knew I loved football, so uh, I thought I'd, I'd play football, hopefully, uh, you know, hang on for a year or two to help fund medical school, and, and lo and behold, uh, I was a pro player and, and, a, and a great one. So it was, uh, it was a, a wonderful opportunity. I wouldn't change anything about it. We, we, uh, we had great teams and, and played, like I said, in some, some awesome games, and, and a lot of those guys are still – my best friends in the world. So it was, uh, it was a great experience, and, I, and I'm glad I made that choice. You've been outspoken and involved in the concussion issue, uh, in the, you're battling the effects of concussions yourself. Now you've got the new concussion movie coming out with Will, uh, Will Smith playing uh, uh, Dr. Omalu. A, uh, do you feel the NFL is, is, doing, uh, is doing the right thing now or doing uh, better now? And B, you intend on going to see that concussion movie when it comes out uh, on Christmas Day? What was the question? <laughs> <laughs> Very good. You Very almost good. got me there. Very good. Very good. <laughs> right. Well, I, you know, truthfully, um, yeah, I mean, I have issues. Uh, I'm 55 years old, um, and, and you know, my phone's full of photographs of parking spots and hotel room numbers and, and stuff that I, I just don't remember, but... Uh, I've learned to adjust in a lot, in, in, in much the same way that I learned to adjust uh, to the lack of blazing uh, forty time in the NFL. You just you, you figure out ways around challenges. I'm I'm so happy that uh, that the dangers of concussions ha- have come to the come to the forefront. That that there's been a light sh- shown on that. Carl, thanks for the time and best of luck with your Hall of Fame candidacy. Sounds great. Thanks. Thank you. Carl. Thank you. Coming up. More of our best interviews from the past year. This is the Talk of Fame Network. Hi, this is Lori Grenier. You've seen me on Shark Tank. Throughout my career, I've developed hundreds of innovative products that make people's lives easier. That's what Cabbage does for small business owners. They've developed a simple and flexible way for business owners to access a line of credit of up to $100,000. Apply online or from your phone. You will get a decision in minutes and can start using your funds immediately. Cabbage has provided over $2 billion to 80,000 small businesses like yours. To get started, visit Cabbage.com or call 888-CABBAGE. Make Cabbage your first resort for business funding. Hey, everyone. This is Life Tips with Geico. Life Tip 1. Use a shower squeegee to remove pet fur from carpet. Squeegee is also very fun to say. Consider it when naming a pet or child. Life Tip 2. Switch to GEICO and you could save hundreds on your car insurance. With over 75 years of experience and a 97% customer satisfaction rating, they know what they're doing. GEICO. Get savings into your life. Visit GEICO.com today. 
There's a reason why so many celebrities use Proactive. Their faces are their money. And it's time for you to get it because Proactive has set up a special 800 number. For just $19.95, you'll get Proactive and a rotating deep cleansing brush. A $45 value, yours free. For only $19.95, you're guaranteed to get clear and stay clear or your money back. Here's the number, 1-800-644-5944. Call now for a lifetime of beautiful skin. 1-800-644-5944. Hey, we love Burger King Grilled Dogs. They're made with 100% beef, and they're 100%. Mm. They're so good, they make us want to sing like... I can't believe it. Burger King made a grilled dog. Made with 100% beef. Flame grilled anytime you want. July 23rd is the most important holiday of the year, National Hot Dog Day. Celebrate by going to Burger King and asking for the Dollar Classic Grilled Dog deal. How else are you going to celebrate? Try the $1 Classic Grilled Dog only at Burger King. At participating restaurants, July 23rd, limit five per transaction while supplies last. Now, back to the Talk of Fame Network with Ron Borges, Rick Goslin, and your Hall of Fame host, Clark Judge. Speaking of calling, Talk of Fame Network is brought to you by Grasshopper, the entrepreneur's phone system. Turn your mobile phone system into a business phone system with Grasshopper. Get a local or toll-free number. Just bring your own. See how it works? Go to grasshopper.com. Next guest is the former head coach of the Chicago Bears and Tampa Bay Bucks, and the new head coach at the University of Illinois. I'm talking about Lovey Smith. Lovey took the Bears, you know, to two NFC title games and a Super Bowl in his nine seasons. But he was fired after finishing 10 and 6 in 2012. Fired by Tampa Bay in 2014. He spent just two seasons with the Bucks. Dismissed after a 6 and 10 season with a rookie quarterback in 2015. Now it's on to Illinois, which has just three winning seasons in its last 14 years in the Big Ten. And Lovey, let me first say thank you for joining us again, and congratulations on the new job. Thank you very much for having me on the show. So, Lovey, what was your greatest coaching challenge? The Bears, the Bucks, or now the Fighting Illini? Well, Rick, they, you know, all three uh, had challenges. You know, normally when you make the coaching change, you don't like something about the direction of the program. You know, I went to Chicago. There were some some key players in place uh, we didn't make a lot of changes just kind of changed the culture a little bit and got it rolling Tampa Bay uh, was a little bit different uh, it was more of an overhaul situation we made a lot of changes and uh, thought we had it kind of headed in the right direction so those two were different NFL wise and having this opportunity at the University of Illinois you know I've been on the job less than a week so we're still figuring out exactly how hard you know this will be, but uh, early signs uh, show a lot of pro- a lot of promise. Lovey, have you set up a recruiting base in Big Sandy, Texas yet? <laughs> well, I should. You know, I'm not going to ever get too far from Big Sandy. So proud of being from there. But uh, of course, we will be coming to the state of Texas to recruit. Still have a lot of friends, a lot of contacts down there. That's where the players are. Yes, um, there are some there. <laughs> I'm wondering, Lovey, what came to you as the bigger surprise? Uh, being let go after 10 and 6 season in Chicago, which seemed ridiculous to me, uh, or being let go after two years of trying to rebuild a Tampa team that you inherited that was terrible, which seemed equally ridiculous to me. So I don't wonder which one surprised you the most. Well, Ron, you know, when you, when you get into this business, you, you can't really be surprised. You know, it is a business. Things happen that you don't expect. But I just say, you know, with Chicago, it's good to be, you know, back in the state again. But it's hard winning 10 games in the NFL. Most of the time when you win 10 games, that organization is 
is pretty excited about the direction you're going. So that was definitely a surprise. And Tampa Bay, again, it was a little bit different situation. We didn't win enough games in Tampa Bay. If you just go on the record, I can see. But progress was made. A lot of things happened the first year. Progress was made the second year. And I thought we had set ourselves up to have a great defensive draft and uh, get back in a position to compete for championship. Well, Lovey, and we're speaking with Lovey Smith on the Talk of Fame Network, and Lovey's just taken over the new as the new Illinois head coach. But, Lovey, since you mentioned that about Tampa and you talked about you thought you headed 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 in the right direction and the progress had been made, where's the patience gone in today's NFL? You had two years on the job, two years, and you had it headed in the right direction, and yet they don't give you time to, to get that thing completed. Where's the patience today? It's just not a lot of patience in this. You know, when you own the team, you can do whatever you like. But if you make a change, I mean, normally there's something wrong, and there's no quick fixes. And life in general, you have to stay with, you know, in our case, the, the plan and just have a little bit more patience. Uh, there were some some reasons to have uh, patience, but, but again, uh, you move on as much as anything. This game has meant so much to me, and I've had so many great opportunities. It seemed like when one door closes, another great opportunity opens. Well, you last coached in college in 1995 at Ohio State. In, in fact, you spent 12 years coaching as an assistant at that level, including stops at Wisconsin, Arizona State, and Tennessee. What was attractive to you about the Illinois job and returning to a college campus? Well, for, for my time in Chicago, uh, you know, I had an opportunity to, you know, kind of look at the university from afar. And uh, it's the flagship university. Normally, flagship university in a state, you know, there's something going on there. And that was definitely the case. I knew about the Chicago area and how many great athletes I thought were close. I knew about the academic reputation that the University of Illinois had. And, and you can pinpoint some programs you, that you think have a lot of promise and potential to, to make a move. And that's how I saw the University of Illinois. Uh, my plan was to sit out the year and see what happened the next year. But when this opportunity came along, I jumped at it. You know, it yeah. seems to me in college you're developing the skills of young players, but in the pros, you're trying to make all the skilled players fit into a system. How does the coaching differ from one level to the next, from college to the NFL? Well, it, it you know, I think, Rick, coaching is coaching, but um, I think it goes without saying, you know, the younger you are, the more receptive you are to, to being coached. And you don't have as many answers when you're younger. But as far as my time I've had, I've really been blessed to be around, a, you know, whether the NFL or, you know, my time in college, I've been around great men that allowed you to coach them that wanted to be coached. So as far as how I dealt with athletes, it's pretty much the same. You know, a lot of times you have a young player, you know, a rookie in NFL uh, can be just as, you know, about the same age as a, you know, a older guy in college. So you're dealing with the same type of athlete a lot. You coached with quite a, NFL think tank there in Tampa back in the late 90s with uh, Tony Dungy and uh, Herman Edwards and Monty Kiffin and Rod Marinelli and the guys in that staff. Uh, I'm just wondering how did how were you sort of shaped as a coach by uh, what you learned and what you saw there uh, from all those different great coaches? You know, quite a bit. You know, you have this picture of, of a coach in your mind and growing up, of course, I saw Tom Landry on the sideline and I knew what he represented. And I saw that in Tony Dungy, too. So my love for coaching just grew even more. 
and all of those guys you mentioned, Tony Dungy, Herman Edwards, Monty Kiffin, Rod Marinelli, those are lifetime friends that are loyal to the end. And they're good coaches, but uh, great men, leaders. You know, you saw their character every day. I learned so much football uh, around them each day. You couldn't wait to come back, you know, get in the office and see what you were going to come up with that day. And uh, so coaching was just so much fun, and you saw the impact you were having daily on players. We're with new Illinois head coach Levy Smith on the Talk of Fame Network, and Levy, you're talking about coaches that you worked with. I would like to ask about some of the players you worked with. You worked with some great ones on defense. You had Derek Brooks when you were linebacker's coach of the Bucks. You had Hall of Fame cornerback Aeneas Williams, you the defensive coordinator of the Rams, and your middle linebacker Brian Urlacher, of course, when you were head coach with the Bears. What made those guys or guys like that so special? What made them different, extraordinary players? Well, that's, you know, it's tough to kind of explain exactly what made them different, but uh, I just know that they were really coachable. As When I say coachable, they would listen. You would think, you know, these are Hall of Fame players. They would have all of the answers. But these guys came to work every day, you know, Everything I told them as their coach, they believed, they bought into. Everything I asked them to do, they did. They were students of the game, all very intelligent, wanted to know everything uh, that they possibly could about the game. And you talk about just a burning desire to win, just competitive men uh, throughout. And you knew you you were also making lifetime friends, and that's what I have in all three of them. I've got about uh, 20 seconds here. You coach Jameis Winston for a season in Tampa. Can he be special? Yes, no doubt. Has everything you're looking for in a, in a, a elite leader, great player, great one of the all-time great types. Can make all the throws as a quarterback, comes into a room, and you want to follow him. Thanks so much. brought him to Illinois with you. Yeah, you're right. That's right. Any chance you can get him to transfer? <laughs> now it's all about trying to find that next Jameis Winston is what it's about. That's where we're at. Hey, Lovey, thanks so much for the time, and, and best of luck in all the right. new job. Thanks, Adam Allen. Take care. Thank Thanks you. That was University of Illinois head coach Levy Smith. Up next, we're going to hear from our head coach, our own head coach, Dr. Data, who can play college or in the pros. You're listening to the Talk of Fame Network. Talk of Fame Network is brought to you by MyCleanPC. If your computer runs slowly, just log on to MyCleanPC.com for free diagnosis. Within minutes, you can download software that can clean up what may be slowing your computer down. That's MyCleanPC.com. Talk of Fame Network is also brought to you by Geico Insurance, where 15 minutes can save you 15% or more on car insurance. For more details, go to Geico.com. Progressive presents Mindflowness with Flow. You are rising further and further into the universe of bundling. Within that universe, you see your home and auto insurance floating together like two opponents on a swing set after a big game, sharing a churro. Ascend into savings when you bundle your home and auto insurance with Progressive. Visit Progressive.com today. Progressive Casualty Insurance Company and Affiliates. Discounts not available in all states or situations. Hi, this is Lori Grenier. You've seen me on Shark Tank. Throughout my career, I've developed hundreds of innovative products that make people's lives easier. That's what Cabbage does for small business owners. They've developed a simple and flexible way for business owners to access a line of credit of up to $100,000. Apply online or from your phone. You will get a decision in minutes and can start using your funds immediately. Cabbage has provided over $2 billion to 80,000 small businesses like yours. To get started, visit Cabbage.com or call 888-CABBAGE. Make Cabbage your first resort for business funding. There's a reason why so many celebrities use proactive 
Proactive, their faces are their money. And it's time for you to get it because Proactive has set up a special 800 number. For just $19.95, you'll get Proactive and a rotating deep cleansing brush. A $45 value, yours free. For only $19.95, you're guaranteed to get clear and stay clear or your money back. Here's the number, 1-800-644-5944. Call now for a lifetime of beautiful skin. 1-800-644-5944. Hey, we love Burger King Grilled Dogs. They're made with 100% beef, and they're 100%. They're so good, they make us want to sing like... I can't believe it. Burger King made a grilled dog. July 23rd is the most important holiday of the year, National Hot Dog Day. Celebrate by going to Burger King and asking for the Dollar Classic Grilled Dog deal. How else are you going to celebrate? Try the $1 Classic Grilled Dog only at Burger King. At participating restaurants, July 23rd, limit five per transaction while supplies last. Now, back to the Talk of Fame Network. Our next guest is not only one of the finest coaches in the NFL that I've been around, but he's one of the finest people I've been around, too. George Seifert was the defensive coordinator who shut down Dan Marino in Super Bowl 19 and the head coach who went on to win two Super Bowls, including one as a rookie head coach, and compile an astounding 98-30 and 30 record in San Francisco. George, always a pleasure to hear from you. Thank you. Well, I look forward to visiting with you. George, I mentioned... You won two Super Bowls as a head coach, but you also won two as a defensive coordinator. So you were part of four Super Bowl teams. If they played each other, which of those teams would win? You know, um, it, it, that's always tough. I think they're all, obviously, if you're a Super Bowl team, you're a heck of a club. And I was fortunate enough also to be with uh, Bill Walsh as the defensive back coach when we won his first Super Bowl uh, in, in Detroit. But as I look at the teams overall, I would say probably the 1984 team, the one that beat Miami at Stanford. And then I would say uh, our last Super Bowl team, the 94 team, uh, that was, you know, there were quite a few stars on that. I think five or six Hall of Fame players were on that team. George Clark mentioned your astounding record in San Francisco. What did you learn coaching under Bill Walsh that you could apply as a head coach when you took over? And how difficult was it to form your own identity? following him first off the the latter part of your question i don't know that i ever tried to form my own identity i grew up in the system i'd worked for bill for nine years so during that period we we started out not winning many games and so i was i felt i was always a part as i think all of us did coaching and players that we're part of the growth of what what took place and eddie provided a, a great environment and and bill kind of the structure and so the things that we did, obviously, I believed, and I was a part of the growth of it. And it was a matter of continuing that. I didn't feel as though it was then my job to say, okay, you know, we're going to change the offense and be a ball control football team. I mean, it been ludicrous. We had a great offense, great offensive scheme. Our defensive scheme had been successful. And so it, it was a matter of we had, we had one outstanding coaches. Um, two of the greats that people don't talk about a lot, Bob McKittrick, our offensive line coach, and Bill McPherson, who was a defensive coach. They were kind of our secret weapons and, and I guess you'd say foundation of, of, of the teams over those years. And uh, it, it was a matter, I, I knew what the job was. The job was to win championships. It's kind of interesting in that when we first started out, if we went 500, you know, every, everybody was elated. And then all of a sudden we let the, the genie out of the bottle and we start winning championships. And then that was the expectation, which is great. 
I, I think it should be that way, and I think it helps us in the long run. It's funny you mentioned that, George, because Parcells always used to talk about that, and he always used to say it's the coach's curse. The job is to win, and the more you win, uh, the more they, they won't let you lose at all. The next thing you know, they fire you. <laughs> it just sort of seems well, like the, the yeah, nature. That's, that's part of the deal, and, and but you would rather have it that way. I mean, I would, and I think most coaches would. You know, the the, the fact that, uh, you know, Eddie he enjoyed winning championships, and, and that was the standard. And uh, I think everybody accepted it, and it was the reason that when we would start a season, everybody was prepared and ready to go, and th- there was only one goal. And I, I don't think that's bad. We're speaking with former head coach George Seifert on the Talk of Fame Network. And, George, simple question. How would you like to be coaching defenses today in a league <laughs> where it practically outlaws it? It's difficult. I, 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 I shake my head. I have... You know, I understand what everybody's trying to accomplish in protecting players, and I, I always worry about the fact that sometimes people get injured more by trying to pull off and, and slow down at the wrong time. But, you know, there's it's obviously an issue. It's something the league has to face up to or protect the, the players. In fact, whenever I was coaching, I, I, I would start the season, and, and the number one thing I'd say, or my number one responsibility, I would tell the team, was their safety. And I honestly believe that. And uh, we would try to teach tackling and, you know, practice in a way that we were going to protect our players to answer your question. You know, fortunately, I, I have to worry about the, the salmon bite now or what kind of deer hunting season it's going to be. You know, those are my, those are my, my problems at this particular time. George, you mentioned Eddie and the pressure of coaching for Eddie. What was the best and worst, worst things about working for him? And what do you think of his nomination for the Hall of Fame? Well, first of all, I, 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 I believe that, you know, he should be a, a shoo-in. That's the way I look at it. And I, not because of my, my former employer, but, well, I, I guess I wouldn't say because he was, because I, I saw what he did and the environment he created uh, and, and the togetherness and family atmosphere that he created that allowed our team to, you know, be the best that it could be. And uh, he did so many little things. I think all of that's well documented. He, he did hire Bill Walsh. He was the one responsible for that that hire to kind of kickstart everything. And then he saw to it that Bill and myself had what we needed. You know, things were a little different then. Same the statement to me always was, you know, what do you need, George? And but but that was, there was a price. You know, what do you need? And if you got what you needed, then by God, you better get it done. So as I mentioned before, I understood that everybody understood it, and. Uh, I think we thrived on it, actually. We've had uh, Hall of Famer Charles Haley on our show several times. Great guest. He spoke about uh, how meaningful it was for him to return to San Francisco and win the 92 Conference Championship game. You coached Charles, uh, and Clark tells me that uh, he could be a trying experience, uh, and that's being diplomatic. Do you ever second-guess the decision to trade him to Dallas, a difficult though he was to deal with? Yeah, yeah. first off, absolutely. You know, I've had number of visits with Charles. In fact, uh, you know, just recently he was inducted in the San Francisco 49er Hall of Fame, and uh, you know, I was I was there for that. And and I, but prior to that, I think a couple of years ago, Charles and I had a couple of meetings, and uh, and and they're very positive, And I consider Charles a friend. Uh, yeah, that was a, mis- a mistake. I mean, I, I I think I would have handled it better had I had him another year or two under my belt. You might say as a head coach. Uh, obviously there were problems, uh, but it's the responsibility of the coach to, to deal with problems. There, there were, were not a lot of problems on our team, and at that particular time, 
it was a problem. And, uh, you know, I, I, you look back, it's like losing a ball. It's like, you know, we lost the championship game to the New York Giants. I'll never forget it. It was a loss of recovery. I remember when I was playing high school football in San Francisco in 1957, we lost the city championship on Thanksgiving Day to Balboa High School. And, and I never forget it. I never forget the New York Giant game. I don't forget the mistakes I maybe made during the course of my career uh, with regard to personnel. It was unfortunate that worked out that way. George, quick question. Last one, too. Why don't you do any more Visa commercials? That 1995 commercial was gold. <laughs> I can't. Yeah. I can't dance or sing like that anymore. I've tried, <laughs> believe me. But, yeah, there's not enough wine, I guess, that I can consume. No, that was uh, that was a lot of fun. And, and uh, you know, but uh, I think the, the singing and dancing days are over. <laughs> George, it's been a lot of fun, too. Thank you so much. And good luck with the salmon bite, whether it's in Bodega Bay or Thank Tahoe. Thank you very much. Yeah. I, I, I appreciate it. And, and you guys have a great day. Thanks, George. Thanks, Thanks George. George. That was former coach George Seifert. When we return, we'll talk about why George and others with Super Bowl rings should be Hall of Fame candidates. You're listening to the Talk of Fame Network. Hi, Tom Bodette. Seems like everyone's got an idea for a startup. From innovations like laundry sharing to startups that help other startups start up. Well, rather than starting up, Motel 6 is starting fresh by renovating rooms nationwide, still for the lowest price of any national chain. It's a smart place to invest your capital every time you venture. Unlike my cat cologne startup, fail. I'm Tom Bodette, and we'll leave the light on for you. Book online at motel6.com. Hi, this is Lori Grenier. You've seen me on Shark Tank. Throughout my career, I've developed hundreds of innovative products that make people's lives easier. That's what Cabbage does for small business owners. They've developed a simple and flexible way for business owners to access a line of credit of up to $100,000. Apply online or from your phone. You will get a decision in minutes and can start using your funds immediately. Cabbage has provided over $2 billion to 80,000 small businesses like yours. To get started, visit cabbage.com or call 888-CABBAGE. Make Cabbage your first resort for business funding. There's a reason why so many celebrities use Proactive. Their faces are their money. And it's time for you to get it because Proactive has set up a special 800 number. For just $19.95, you'll get Proactive and a rotating deep cleansing brush. A $45 value, yours free. For only $19.95, you're guaranteed to get clear and stay clear or your money back. Here's the number, 1-800-644-5944. Call now for a lifetime of beautiful skin. 1-800-644-5944. Hey, we love Burger King grilled dogs. They're made with 100% beef, and they're 100%. Mm. They're so good, they make us want to sing like... I can't believe it. Burger King made a grilled dog. Made with 100% beef. Flame grilled anytime you want. July 23rd is the most important holiday of the year, National Hot Dog Day. Celebrate by going to Burger King and asking for the Dollar Classic Grilled Dog deal. How else are you going to celebrate? Try the $1 Classic Grilled Dog only at Burger King. At participating restaurants, July 23rd, limit five per transaction while supplies last. Now, back to the Talk of Fame Network with Ron Borges, Rick Goslin, and your Hall of Fame host, Clark Judge. Welcome back to hour number two of the Talk of Fame Network. As I mentioned in the first hour, we're not here. No, we're not. We're on vacation, but our voices, our voices are like our producer, Derek Burns. They never stop working. Fortunately, neither do the voices of our guests. So we've got more from the best of our interviews of the past year. And they sound, well, they sound like this. Our next guest was on the receiving end of one of the most iconic plays in NFL history, the Hail Mary 
which gave the Dallas Cowboys a 17-14 win over the Minnesota Vikings in the 1975 divisional round of the playoffs. Drew Pearson caught that 50-yard bomb from Roger Staubach in the final minute, one of several game-closing catches that earned him the nickname Mr. Clutch. Drew was named to the 1970s NFL All-Decade Team, but strangely is one of only two players from that first team not enshrined in the Hall of Fame and has never, ever been discussed as a finalist. So we've invited him to talk about both the Hall and the Hail Mary on the Talk of Fame Network. Drew Pearson, thanks for being here. Right on. <laughs> hey Drew, t- take us back to that frigid afternoon in Bloomington, Minnesota, the day the Cowboys looked lost, but Stalak heaved the football and said his famous Hail Mary, which of course you answered. Can you replay that down for us and address a decades-old complaint in the Twin Cities that you pushed off? Yeah, it's uh, four decades old now. <laughs> and uh, they haven't let up one bit, but... Uh, <laughs> Yeah, it was an interesting game, very tough physical game. We went up there to play them. They had the best record in the NFL. We were the wild card team that year. Uh, they finished the regular season 12-2. and two. We were 10-4. and four. And it was a tough physical football game. It was cold out there, but nothing like we saw last weekend in Minnesota against Seattle. Uh, it was cold, about 25 degrees. The chill factor made it about 17. It was a very minimum wind. It was overcast. Actually, it was a good day for football, and it was good to be playing in grass because they had a grass field. Uh, both teams are lined on the same sideline. I think that's the last team in the NFL that did that, the Minnesota Vikings. And, uh, you know, we played them good. We had the lead at halftime, 10-7. to 7. They finally scored late in the fourth quarter to take the lead 14-10. to 10. And now we needed a touchdown, and I had one pass thrown to me through the whole game, a little disappointed with that. Uh, but here we go in the final drive, and it's all Roger and I in that situation. We don't have time to get plays called in from Coach Landry, and so Roger takes over, and usually he went to me in those situations. And, of course, we know about the Hail Mary, but two plays before the Hail Mary, we had a fourth and 17 that Roger ended up hitting me for 22 yards in the first down on Nate Wright. And then we come back two plays later, we go for the Hail Mary, and Roger says, we got no timeouts. We've got to start taking some shots to the end zone. And he told me to run a turn-in takeoff on Nate Wright. And the only other guy he told to go out on the play was uh, uh, Golden Richards to run a post pattern on the other side. And what we wanted to do with that was hold Paul Krause to that side of the field. He's the NFL all-time interception leader. And we wanted to hold him to that side of the field so I could be man-to-man on Nate Wright. We had maximum protection. Roger was able to pump Golden through it to me. I was way downfield by then. And Nate Wright and I were even. We are neck and neck, and I thought I could go away, uh, pull away from him if I saw the ball thrown thrown out there to the back of the end zone. But it was underthrown. I came back, did that swim move to get the outside arm on the inside to get that inside position. And in doing that, yeah, there was contact, but there was no deliberate push on Nate Wright. And I guess with that contact, he went down. The ball hit my hands and went through my hands and stuck between my elbow and my hip, and I backed into the end zone with the ball on my elbow and hit. That's how I literally caught the most famous play in Cowboy history, the Hail Mary, and I didn't use my hands. I used my elbow and my hip, you know, so that's how it went down, and then after the game, they asked Roger what happened. He said, I closed my eyes and threw the ball as far as I could, and I said, a Hail Mary, and next day in the paper, 
I don't know if you were, uh, remember, Rick, the headlines reads, Cowboys win by a Hail Mary. And Hail Mary <laughs> <laughs> kind of took off from there. And now, 40 years later, people still refer to the Hail Mary as a game-ending catch to help a team win a game. Well, you know, you talk about that play, and it, it, it brings back the memory of a lot of others. And uh, the NFL NFL Films uh, commissioned a study in 1994 of the 75 greatest plays in NFL history. And who was making the catches in three of them? Wasn't me. It was you. <laughs> and uh, yeah, yeah. one that didn't make it, though, was the, the first play after the Dwight Clark catch in the 81 NFC title game. You caught a 31-yard pass from Danny White uh, that would have gone mm-hmm. for a game-winning touchdown except for that tremendous uh, diving tackle by uh, Eric Wright. You obviously authored some of the most memorable pass receptions in Cowboys history, but, uh, but does that play stand out? For you, uh, in a different sort of way, that he was able to make that tackle. Uh, yeah, actually, that would have been hail mary too. You know, I <laughs> went downfield, I caught it over the middle, and when I broke into the middle to run the route, the in route, um, I saw that I think it was Carlton Williamson and Ronnie Lott kind of collide with each other, and as the ball zipped past them, I caught it, and I'm thinking I got open field. And even with my speed, I think I could have got another 20 yards to put us in field goal position to kick the field goal to uh, win the game. But, you know, Eric Wright came out of nowhere and was able to grab my jersey initially. Then he reinforced the grab with uh, by grabbing my shoulder pads and yanking me down. And we get back to the huddle. And I told Danny, instead of breaking in, I'm going to line up on the right side. Instead of breaking in, I'm going to break out. I catch it 20 yards to get out of bounds, and now we're in field goal range. And uh, Danny, you know, he kind of looked to the other side at Tony Hill, and Tony got jammed up, and by that time the, the pass rush was there, and he, he ended up fumbling. But I've had a lot of great catches uh, at the end of games, and a lot of it is because the coaches, the quarterbacks have confidence in me. My teammates had confidence in me. But, guys, the one that stood out the most was the 83-yard touchdown pass I caught in my first playoff game against the Minnesota Vikings to, to break that game open. We were leading 16-7 to in the fourth quarter. Roger hit me on third down on that post pattern. I caught it at the 50 and took it 83 yards in. And uh, that kind of let me knew, know at that point I could play in the NFL and I could make a career in the NFL if I stayed healthy. I knew it gave me confidence that I could compete on that level. And from then on, it was just a matter of improving, getting better, with each and every game, and then also staying healthy, and I was fortunate enough to do both. Wow, more so than the Hail Mary, huh? <laughs> yeah, well, you know, the Hail Mary's most famous, but I don't think if I if I don't catch this past my rookie year against the uh, Los Angeles Rams, you know, maybe there is no Hail Mary. Maybe right. they don't right. Uh, right. think I'm that clutch receiver because the next year we're playing the Washington Redskins in Texas Stadium, and we're trailing by two touchdowns. Quentin Longley comes in. He hits Billy because uh, Roger got knocked out. He hits Billy Joe over the middle for the first touchdown. Now we're down to 20-some seconds, 28 or so left in the game. And I told Clint I'm going to run a turn-in takeoff. And uh, we got the perfect defense for that route. And Clint hit me for a 50-yard touchdown to win that game. So that's 73-74. Now we get to the Hail Mary situation in 75. And, yeah, the team really has confidence in me now. And when I get in the huddle in that situation, Roger would say, Drew, what do you got? And all the other guys in that huddle understood that. Billy Joe wasn't crying for the ball. Golden wasn't crying for the ball. 
Preston wasn't crying for it. Uh, because I had done it before, they had confidence that I possibly might be able to do it again. So everybody understood in that situation, you know, it was Roger and Drew trying to make something happen. We're with former Dallas star Drew Pearson on the Talk of Fame Network. And Drew, we have about a minute left. There are 24 mm -hmm. modern era wide receivers in the Pro Football Hall of Fame, and you obviously are not one of them, as I mentioned up top. Give us your definition of a Hall of Fame wide receiver. You know, that's what I scratch my ball head trying to figure out. I don't <laughs> know what the definition is because there's really, uh, I don't know if it depends on in individual success. I don't know if it depends on team success. I don't know if it depends on both. Uh, you have players there that had the individual success but not really had the team success. You have players that don't really have the uh, stats that match the other receivers in the Hall of Fame, but they did have team success. Uh, so, you know, I just don't know, you know, what the criteria is. And uh, so, you know, you just hope that, you know, your time comes. You really have no control in this situation. It's the hands of you guys that, you know, do the voting. And as you get further and further out of the process, and now in the senior door, then your chances become slimmer and slimmer. Drew, we got to run. Better want to thank you for the time, and sorry for ruining your day with that story. <laughs> <laughs> Drew, no, thank you, you so much. Drew, and I appreciate it. Thank I thanks, Drew. Pleaded my case. There you go. Okay. Guys. There you thank go. You. Thanks, Drew. That's the end of that interview. But we can't stop talking. So we'll have more when we return. This is the Talk of Fame Network. Now, the reminder that the Talk of Fame Network is brought to you by GEICO Insurance, where 15 minutes can save you 15% or more on car insurance. For more details, go to GEICO.com. Motel 6 has the message our nation is seeking. Motel 6 is a great choice for travelers. With the highest standards. A clean, comfortable room with everything you need and nothing you don't. Fiscally responsible. Lowest price of any national chain. Dedicated. We'll leave the light on for you. Motel 6. Right on travel. Right for America. I'm Tom Bodet, and, um, yeah, I approve this message. Book online at motel6.com. There's a reason why so many celebrities use Proactive. Their faces are their money. And it's time for you to get it because Proactive has set up a special 800 number. For just $19.95, you'll get Proactive and a rotating deep cleansing brush. A $45 value, yours free. For only $19.95, you're guaranteed to get clear and stay clear or your money back. Here's the number, 1-800-644-5944. Call now for a lifetime of beautiful skin. 1-800-644-5944. Hey everyone! This is Life Tips with Geico. Life Tip 1. Use a shower squeegee to remove pet fur from carpet. Squeegee is also very fun to say. Consider it when naming a pet or child. Life Tip 2. Switch to Geico and you could save hundreds on your car insurance. With over 75 years of experience and a 97% customer satisfaction rating, they know what they're doing. Geico. Get savings into your life. Visit Geico.com today. Hi, this is Lori Grenier. You've seen me on Shark Tank. Throughout my career, I've developed hundreds of innovative products that make people's lives easier. That's what Cabbage does for small business owners. They've developed a simple and flexible way for business owners to access a line of credit of up to $100,000. Apply online or from your phone. You will get a decision in minutes and can start using your funds immediately. Cabbage has provided over $2 billion to 80,000 small businesses like yours. To get started, visit Cabbage.com or call 888-CABBAGE. Make Cabbage your first resort for business funding. Hey, we love Burger King Grilled Dogs. They're made with 100% beef, and they're 100% beef. 
They're so good, they make us want to sing like. I can't believe it. Burger King made a criminal. July 23rd is the most important holiday of the year, National Hot Dog Day. Celebrate by going to Burger King and asking for the Dollar Classic Grill Dog deal. How else are you going to celebrate? Try the $1 Classic Grill Dog only at Burger King. At participating restaurants, July 23rd, limit five per transaction while supplies last. War, poverty, and disaster have left millions of children around the world orphaned, abandoned, alone. When their parents can't be there, SOS Children's Villages is there. SOS Children's Villages is the world's largest nonprofit for orphaned and abandoned children. In 134 countries, including the U.S., SOS Children's Villages provides vulnerable children with a loving and stable family, medical care, and an education. To make a difference in the life of a child, go to SOS-USA.org. Now, back to the Talk of Fame Network with Ron Borges. Cannot play with him. Rick Gosselin. Cannot win with him. And Clark Judge. Cannot post with him. Can't do it. I want winners. Well, speaking of winners, no one has been involved in more Super Bowls as a player and coach than our next guest. Dan Reeves appeared in nine Super Bowls, two as a player with the Dallas Cowboys, three as a Cowboys assistant coach, and four times as an NFL head coach. Three with the Broncos and one with the Atlanta Falcons. So do the math, people. That means roughly 25% of the time that Dan was in the NFL, he finished his season in the Super Bowl. Not bad. I'll tell you what else isn't bad. When Dan Reeves retired from head coaching in 2003, his 190 regular season wins ranked eighth best in NFL history. And now, well, now we're fortunate to have him here. Dan Reeves, thanks for joining us. Oh, my pleasure, guys. How are y'all doing today? We're doing Great. good. We're Thank doing you. good because we're talking to you. And of the, you know, of the top <laughs> 10 <laughs> winning, his, winning his coaches in NFL history, of course, three yourself. Uh, Marty Schottenhammer and uh, Chuck Knox are the only ones uh, not in the hall, excluding uh, the still active Bill Belichick. Uh, and of the 23 who were in, only three failed to win Super Bowl or the, or the equivalent of the league championship. Three of you do, weren't able to do that as head coach. And I'm just wondering, do you think there's too much emphasis, historical emphasis placed on winning that one game at the end of the season, perhaps over some other matters that were at least as important? Well, you know, I, I really do think that that's true because I think there was a lot of Dallas Cowboy players that I played with that I know were exceptional players, and you know that was always hanging over their heads. They couldn't, you know, couldn't win the, the Super Bowl, and uh, you know I think we have some that are certainly worthy of of being in there, and and then you know some other players uh, that great players that you know are not there, and great coaches too. But uh, you know it's a it's an elite club, so you know, when you get in it, you know you're you're something special. Yeah. What was the influence of Tom Landry on your on your career as a coach, and maybe your coaching philosophy? Well, I question uh, you know everything, uh, you know from the way he approached things, from a you know organized you know being organized, he felt like it uh, you had to be organized in everything that you did. Uh, he felt like preparation was the greatest motivator, and I always tried to make sure I had uh, you know teams that I coached prepared as well as we could, could possibly be prepared, and you know not overlook anything. Uh, you know, and just uh, the way he was involved in everything, uh, you know, as far as the personnel was concerned and, you know, uh, X's and O's, and he was offensive and a defensive coach. Uh, you know, we learned an awful lot about uh, defenses because he was, you know, so skilled and he coached on the defensive side of the ball. And yet, you know, when I was coaching with him, he was calling plays and, uh, you know, was in, you know, offensive. Man, I don't know that I ever know of anybody that I was involved with anyway that, you know, would be in an off 
defensive meeting, we get the game plan done, and he'd immediately go into the defensive, you know, meeting with the defensive coaches to get the defensive game plan done. So he he was unique. And I know the the respect you have for Tom being on the same sideline. Who's the best coach you ever faced? Gosh, it'd have to be you know about five because people ask you that about quarterbacks and running backs, you know, and it's hard to to pick out you know one, but certainly. You know, Coach Shula stands there. Coach Noel, uh, we lost a couple of Super Bowls to the Pittsburgh Steelers. Coach Noel was, was really something special. And, you know, when I came into the league uh, and we had the, the meeting with head coaches, uh, you know, he you know, sat next to me and, and made me feel like I was, a, you know, a part of the National Football League. And, and he didn't have to do that. And I've always, you know, respected him for that, but also for his, uh, you know, coaching abilities. And certainly Joe Gibbs, uh, who, you know, I coached against so many times. Uh, you know, was just an exceptional football coach. And now, you know, Bill Belichick uh, is a phenomenal football coach. That's just some of them. <laughs> <laughs> well, Dan, we're with Dan Reeves on the Talk Fame Network. Goose asked you about Tom Landry. I want to ask you another Tom Landry question. To the, to the best of my knowledge, I think he made you a safety when you first came to Dallas. As you mentioned, you'd been a quarterback at South Carolina. And a year later, he converted Mel Renfro to offense. And then when Mel got hurt, you got your chance. And what'd you do? You led the team in rushing with over 700 yards. Did you know you had that inside of you if you had the chance? No, really and truly, uh, the only time I'd played uh, running back, and I, I really signed with the Cowboys where the, you know, I'd play safety in college, and they signed me really as a defensive player and said, we will you know, try it running back and wide receiver, but uh, you know, we signed him as a defensive back. And so I went there and I made the team, basically made it, you know, because of special teams. I played a little bit in 1965, you know, as a rookie. And I really thought there was a chance I might go to Atlanta in expansion, but, you know, didn't go. And, and like you said, in 1966, they had switched Mel Renfro to, you know, offense. And I played behind him in preseason, and he was phenomenal. He was averaging about eight and a half, nine yards of carry in preseason. And uh, in the last preseason game, he got hurt, and I was able to start. You know, the first game of the season, and, and we had a big win. And, and uh, you know, he was hurt and out for like two or three weeks. And, you know, Coach Landry moved him back to defense, and I stayed there. And, you know, we had an unbelievable year in 1966 with Don Meredith as our quarterback. And, you know, I think I scored 16 touchdowns, which was unbelievable. You know, it was just a, an amazing year for me. And that really set me, you know, for the years to come. Well, speaking of those early days as a player, Dan, I remember SI once called you, quote, the unwanted cowboy, unquote, on a cover <laughs> story about you. What did you learn about players that helped you then as a head coach later? Oh, I think, uh, you know, just preparation. You know, Coach Landry was so thorough in everything that he did. He had an assistant coach that I had a coach named Ermel Allen that was probably as good a football mind as I was ever around, and he, you know, taught me. And, and I learned all 11 positions. Don't ask me why. I just did that when I was in high school. <laughs> <laughs> and, uh, you know, that's just the way I learned football. So I don't know, you know, why I did it that way, but that was just the way I did it. And so, you know, I was very much involved in what everybody was doing, where, you know, where you were getting help from and, and so forth. And, and like I said, the last the only time I played halfback prior to coming to the Cowboys and really played because we had a lot of guys hurt in a scrimmage against the Los Angeles Rams was in high school, and I was playing tight end as a, as a freshman. And we went up to Macon, uh, Georgia, to play a, a B-team game. And the kid that was a starting running back ended up leaving his shoes at home. <laughs> and the coach said, okay, Dan, I want you to play running back. I said, oh, well, I'm going to get to catch the ball. And he says, 
when the left halfback carries it, you move the right halfback. And when the right <laughs> halfback carries it, you move over the left halfback. So I was a running back that didn't carry the ball. That was the honest to goodness, the only experience I had. When I went to the Cowboys, Robert Logan, who made our team, too, as a rookie, and our roommate, we you know had two-a-days every day in full pads. And we were the guys that coaches would say, okay, the linebackers need somebody to tackle. Read you and Logan go over there and let them tackle you. And, and then the next day it was the defensive backs need somebody to tackle. And honest to goodness, that's how we started out, you know, in two days in training camp. That's a tough way to start. Uh, you mentioned Don Meredith a minute, a minute ago, and it, it sort of made me think of something. In the ice bowl game, you were one-for-one one passing a 53-yard touchdown pass to Lance Rensel. Meredith, meanwhile, was 10 for 25. Was your arm warm, warmer than Meredith's? Or, and, and just how cold was it that day in, in, in Green Bay? Well, my receiver was a lot lot more open than any guy that, that Don was throwing to. It was so cold. I mean, really and truly, it was the first play of the fourth quarter. And we were in the huddle, and, I, you know, we were freezing. It was, you know, being in the huddle. And Meredith told me, he said, we've been running the quick pitch. And he said, they're really coming up fast. I'm going to call the halfback pass. And we were doing it. To my left, and oh man, I said they're gonna call that. So I put my hands down in my pants about as far as I could put them, you know, trying to keep them warm because you couldn't, you know, you couldn't feel anything. And uh, I kept them in there. We came out of the huddle. We were in our formation. I still had my hands down in my pants. We shifted over to a split backfield. I finally took my hands out, and thank goodness I could feel the ball. Like I said, Lance was so wide open. We scored, and I, you know, I really thought that was being so difficult to move the football that time, but Bart Starr did a tremendous job of, you know, taking them down at the end of the game and, and driving them down for a touchdown. Hey, Dan, unfortunately, we're out of time, but thank you so much for joining us and relieving some of the, those experiences from the past. Thanks so much, Dan. Oh, my pleasure, guys. Thanks for having me. Thanks, thanks Dan. That was former player and coach Dan Reeves. When we return, we'll talk about coaches like Dan who deserve to be discussed for Hall of Fame consideration. This is the Talk of Fame Network. Hey, we love Burger King Grilled Dogs. They're made with 100% beef, and they're 100%. Mm. They're so good, they make us want to sing like... I can't believe it. Burger King made a grilled dog. July 23rd is the most important holiday of the year, National Hot Dog Day. Celebrate by going to Burger King and asking for the Dollar Classic Grilled Dog deal. How else are you going to celebrate? Try the $1 Classic Grilled Dog only at Burger King. At participating restaurants, July 23rd, limit five per transaction while supplies last. Hi, this is Lori Grenier. You've seen me on Shark Tank. Throughout my career, I've developed hundreds of innovative products that make people's lives easier. That's what Cabbage does for small business owners. They've developed a simple and flexible way for business owners to access a line of credit of up to $100,000. Apply online or from your phone. You will get a decision in minutes and can start using your funds immediately. Cabbage has provided over $2 billion to 80,000 small businesses like yours. To get started, visit cabbage.com or call 888-CABBAGE. Make Cabbage your first resort for business funding. Motel 6 has the message our nation is seeking. Motel 6 is a great choice for travelers. With the highest standards. A clean, comfortable room with everything you need and nothing you don't. Fiscally responsible. Lowest price of any national chain. Dedicated. We'll leave the light on for you. Motel 6. Right on travel. Right for America. I'm Tom Bodette, and, um, yeah, I approve this message. Book online at motel6.com.
There's a reason why so many celebrities use Proactive. Their faces are their money. And it's time for you to get it because Proactive has set up a special 800 number. For just $19.95, you'll get Proactive and a rotating deep cleansing brush. A $45 value, yours free. For only $19.95, you're guaranteed to get clear and stay clear or your money back. Here's the number, 1-800-644-5944. Call now for a lifetime of beautiful skin. 1-800-644-5944. Now, back to the Talk of Fame Network with Ron Borges, Rick Goslin, and your Hall of Fame host, Clark Judge. They are who we thought they were. Well, our next guest is the NFL's all-time leading scorer, Morton Anderson, who it just so happens is also the most prolific place kicker in the game's history. Morton spent 25 years in the NFL with five teams, kicking a record 565 field goals and scoring 2,000. 444 points. He's also a former Spartan, as you can hear that fight song in the background. And although he's gone, where no NFL scorer has before him, he still awaits a call from Canton. With this, his fourth year of eligibility and his second consecutive year as a finalist. Morton, thanks for joining us. I'm never beaten off in the game <laughs> oh, they <no>. fight. <laughs> I for the holy colors, green and white. I got it. Oh, this is my favorite guest. <laughs> yeah. This is my favorite guest. <laughs> Goose is you putting you in the hall tomorrow. Uh, <laughs> you subtracted 100 points. I actually had 2,544, but you know what? Who cares? It's still <laughs> top of the list, right? It's still it, top of the list. Hey, Martin, Reggie White was a two-time All-Decade selection. So was Walter Payton, Jerry Rice, Jack Lambert, Ronnie, Lam- Ronnie Lott, and all were first ballot Hall of Famers. You also were a two-time All-Decade pick, yet you wait. How frustrating is the Hall of Fame process for a player with your credentials? You know, Rick, I don't really find it frustrating. I think it's, uh, you know, just judgment call. There's 46 guys, and you guys are part of that room, but uh, so I don't know what goes on in there. I'm sure they're all great candidates that, that make that final 15, and in this case, 18, with with, with the senior selection and, and the contributors and and. So that's not my call. I mean, as far as I'm concerned, I'm very proud of my career. I'm proud of what I accomplished, and the skins are on the wall. And then now it's up to somebody else to kind of judge uh, where I belong. I, I feel I, my credentials uh, speak for themselves, and, uh, and I'll just leave it at that. It's uncomfortable for me to really uh, be the one talking about what I did. It is what it is. And uh, if those numbers that I uh, had and the results that I have, if they hold up historically, which I think they have over time, and if, if they're relevant, and if I change the way people thought about the position and about the position becoming a, a viable weapon, you know, and, and changing it historically, then uh, it'd be hard not to, to, to look at my candidacy, I think. Well, Morton, you also know it took the Hall over 25 years to put in Ray Guy, who is the game's greatest punter and whose credentials also speak for themselves. But he got in. He made it. So do you yeah. think his enshrinement helps your cause and, frankly, the cause of all kickers and special teamers? I think his enshrinement help, helped him. <laughs> <laughs> sure did. I, I think they helped Ray, and, you know, and rightfully so. I think uh, my credentials will stand on their own. I think Ray's will stand on their own. But it, it, it's always good. I think it's always positive when a um, when a specialist go in, and there's not very many. You know, you had Jan Stenerud, and now you have uh, Ray. So, very few guys have have gotten that call. So, 
if it comes to me, it would be wonderful, and hopefully it would open the door even more. But uh, but I'm proud of Ray. I'm proud of Jan, and I, those both of those guys deserve to be in the Hall of Fame. Well, Navo says the NFL teams don't appreciate a quality kicker until they don't have one. Now, special teams are yes, supposed right. to constitute a third of the game. So is there a logical explanation for the prejudice against kickers in Canton? No, there is no logical explanation. And again, you, you, you're in that room. Um, so, you know, the discussion has to be, well, he's not an every down player. I don't know what the discussion is, but I don't see a logical explanation. You have to judge everyone, every candidate, I would think, on, on his merits and how they hold up historically against his peers and how he was in, in his era and if it stacks up and, um, that's all I can say about that. I, I don't find any logical reason that you don't have the the points leader in the history of the game in there. If you look at all other major sports, uh, I think Ricky Henderson, Ricky Henderson, Kareem Abdul-Jabbar, and Wayne Gretzky are all in, the Hall of, in their respective Hall of Fame. So that, that's all I can say about it. They are. You're correct about that. And we're with Hall of Fame finalist Morton Anderson on the Talk of Fame Network. And, and Morton, I, I thought you revolutionized kicking in the NFL two ways. I mean, first with those booming kickoffs that I remember sailed into the stands. They were touchbacks and sailed in the stands. And second, your leg gave coaches the courage and the confidence to attempt 55 and 60-yard field goals that really today are pretty common in the NFL. In fact, I think 40 of your 565 career field goals were longer than 50 yards. But with all that, all that said, all that said, simple question here. What was your most memorable field goal ever? I think from an impact of what it meant to, to our team, which is really all I look at at the end of the day. It would have to be the NFC Championship game against the Vikings, the 39-yarder from the left hash, to put us into the Super Bowl because it was we came from behind, and we were behind most of the game. We got back into it. We got back in overtime, had an opportunity to win it, and we did it. We won it when we had to win it. And so on the road against a, a Vikings team 15-1, and one, and we were no slouches. We were 14-2, and two, but had to go on the road and play the Vikings up in their place and won the game and, and did go to the Super Bowl. I would say that's what was pretty memorable because of how it developed and, and how it ended and, um, you know, what it meant to the team. Just You, you said left hash now. Do you remember all your field goals? Yeah, all the ones I made. <laughs> well, that's 565 of them. That's a lot. <laughs> test me, test me. Yes, uh, I remember. You know, I remember a Monday night game against Dallas, uh, 49-yard at left hash. It was Landry's last, uh, the last time uh, we played the Dallas Cowboys under Landry, and and he was let go. I think the following year. So, you know, these these things. My first game winner against the Bear, which was Bears 41-yard right hash. It's weird how these things come back to you. Huh. But if you ask me about a uh, a miss, uh, it's very foggy. <laughs> <laughs> oh, hey, Morton, most most kickers are lucky to see the age of 30 in their NFL careers. Fewer yet yeah. see 40. Yet you were still kicking at the age of 47. What what was the secret yeah. to your longevity? You know, it's a longer answer maybe than you're asking for, but I'll, I'll try to give you the cliff notes. I think my immigrant perspective coming from Europe and not growing up with the sport had given me sort of a, a um, you know, I didn't grow up with the pressure of having to succeed in this sport. It really came into football by coincidence. And so when I started playing, I was mostly self-taught, and I started looking at guys that were successful, emulating them. And as I went along, it was just a one-kick mentality. I just, 
I never thought it was going to be, you know, life or death for me. Uh, I knew it was a game, and I kind of had a sense of humor about it and, and, you know, just went out and really worked at trying to become the very best and spend a lot of time. Maybe that's my OCD, you know, maybe that was that type A personality. I wanted to be as, as good as I could be, and I always try to find different ways to become better and, and taking other guys that were really good at what they did and, and using their knowledge and, and becoming better that way. So just a lot of help along the way and, and a deep desire, uh, quite honestly, guys, to just be the very, very best I could be uh, over a long, long period of time. And I think uh, I can only say, uh, looking back, mission accomplished. Hey, Morton, have you ever thought about what that gold jacket would mean to you? Oh, yeah. Yeah, I have. Um, it would be unbelievable um, just to be up there with... Uh, the great legends of the game and be immortalized that way. It's a very select uh, club, if you will. And uh, I think just being allowed to be on that platform and, and, and what we all can do together, um, you know, having that HOF label is it would be huge. Many great things for, for our youth and, and so forth. It would be uh, just a tremendous honor. And, um, you know, it would be um, really be shared with a lot of people who helped me along the way. One quick question here. we got about 30 seconds. Where sure. right now is that $5,000 kicking shoe you used? <laughs> well, one of them is actually in the Pro Football Hall of Fame. I don't know if that's one of them. And then I have a couple here, too. So if you if, if you got some cash, Rick, uh, you know. <laughs> <laughs> Morton, we don't have cash, and we don't have much time left either. But we well, want you do have a boat. Yeah, yeah, we, we, got, right. we got more time than cash, though. I know. Yeah, that's right. We yeah. got more time than cash. <laughs> me too. Me too, and we, man. Me and we too. don't have much of either. But yeah. thank you so much for the time, and, and best of luck with your Hall of Fame candidacy. All right. You Thanks, guys man. have fun in the voting process. Enjoy. Well, Thanks, well, thanks Morton. Good luck to you. That was Hall of Fame finalist Morton Anderson. Up next, the case for Cam Newton and the younger quarterback in Super Bowl 50. This is the Talk of Fame Network. Talk of Fame Network is brought to you by MyCleanPC. If your computer runs slowly, just log on to MyCleanPC.com for a free diagnosis. And within minutes, you can download software that can clean up what may be slowing your computer down. That's MyCleanPC.com. We're also brought to you by Grasshopper, the entrepreneur's phone system. Turn your mobile phone into a business phone system with Grasshopper and get a local or toll-free number or just bring your own. You see how it works? Just go to grasshopper.com. Geico presents Kathy, the candid real estate agent. In the master bedroom, you'll see there's room for a king-size bed. And take a look at this walk-in closet. Now just imagine all these custom shelves and drawers turned upside down when a thief goes through them to take your entire vintage sneaker collection. It's hard to know all that comes with buying a home or condo. That's why the Geico Insurance Agency makes getting covered for personal property loss and damage quick and easy. Call Geico today and see how much you could save on condo and homeowners insurance. Hi, this is Lori Grenier. You've seen me on Shark Tank. Throughout my career, I've developed hundreds of innovative products that make people's lives easier. That's what Cabbage does for small business owners. They've developed a simple and flexible way for business owners to access a line of credit of up to $100,000. Apply online or from your phone. You will get a decision in minutes and can start using your funds immediately. Cabbage has provided over $2 billion to 80,000 small businesses like yours. To get started, visit Cabbage.com or call 888-CABBAGE. Make Cabbage your first resort for business funding. There's a reason why so many celebrities use Proactive. Their faces are their money. And it's time for you to get it because Proactive has set up a special 800 number. For just $19.95, you'll get Proactive and a rotating deep cleansing brush. A $45 value, yours free. For only $19.95, you're guaranteed to get clear and stay clear or your money back. Here's the number, 1-800-644-5944. Call 
now for a lifetime of beautiful skin. 1-800-644-5944. Hey, we love Burger King grilled dogs. They're made with 100% beef, and they're 100%. Mm. They're so good, they make us want to sing like... I can't believe it. Burger King made a grilled dog. Made with 100% beef. Flame grilled you want. July 23rd is the most important holiday of the year, National Hot Dog Day. Celebrate by going to Burger King and asking for the Dollar Classic Grilled Dog deal. How else are you going to celebrate? Try the $1 Classic Grilled Dog only at Burger King. At participating restaurants, July 23rd, limit five per transaction while supplies last. Now, back to the Talk of Fame Network with Ron Borges. Cannot play with him. Rick Gosselin. Cannot win with him. And Clark Judge. Cannot coach with him. Can't do it. I want winners. Only two men in NFL history won Super Bowls as a player, assistant coach, and head coach. And we're proud to have one of them, Tom Flores, visiting with us today. Tom owns four Super Bowl rings, the last two coming when he was head coach of the Oakland Raiders in Super Bowls 15 and 18. His 87 victories as Raiders head coach are second only to the man he replaced, John Madden, and he's one of only 20 players to play in the NFL for the entire 10 years of his existence. He's also the first Hispanic coach and first minority coach to win a Super Bowl, which he did in the 1980 season, but like many of his achievements, that seems to have been lost in the pages of history. But not here and not now, because we're proud and happy to welcome Tom Flores to the show. Sounds well, good. Tom, I like yeah, that. there you go. Pretty good resume, yeah? <laughs> yeah, I like that. Who is that guy? Oh, that's me. That's me. <laughs> there you go. Uh, now, correct me if I'm wrong, Tom, but I believe your pro football career started with the Packers, and that would be the Salinas Packers of the Pacific Football League. And I'm wondering what kept you playing after not getting a chance in '58 uh, in the in the Canadian Football League, and again in '59 uh, with the Redskins. What what kept you going? Well, it, the the the, uh, the spark was still there. You know, I hurt myself at my senior year, and when I went to Canada, I, I went with a sore shoulder, and I uh, got released, had surgery, started tried with the Redskins. It was way too early, so I just couldn't even lift my arm. So that's it. I Gave up, gave up even the thought of playing football, went back for my master's. And I did play with the Bakersfield Spoilers in those days. I got $100 a game. Behind, <laughs> they, had to take me behind. they had to take me behind the building to pay me because they weren't paying the other guys. So, And I continued my graduate work at the College of Pacific. But then uh, you know, I, I was getting ready to take a position with a high school as a coach in uh, my hometown area of Fresno, which is close to my hometown, and all of a sudden this thing called American Football League started up, and they called me, and I said, well, you know, I don't owe anybody. I don't own a car. Uh, I'll give it another shot and see what happens. I can always teach coach the rest of my life, so I'll, I'll see what happens, and that was 1960, so a lot of things happened since then. Hey, Tom, uh, you, of course, won the two Super Bowls, and you hear people say you can't write the history of pro football without the name of Tom Flores, the first Hispanic starting quarterback, first Hispanic coach to win a Super Bowl. Do you ever wonder why you aren't in the Hall of Fame, and do you give it much thought? Yes, I do. I have to be honest with you. I do wonder because, you know, and I, without mentioning names, other people that are that are in the Hall, and, you know, I, I, you know, I felt that I have accomplished a lot in my career. It's been a long career. Winning two Super Bowls uh, as a head coach, one in Oakland and one in L.A. I've lived in a hotel for 14 months in doing so. Uh, and working for Al Davis alone, I should be in the, the Hall of Fame, you know. <laughs> 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 but, but even 
I, even when I, when Al and I would get together, and he was my biggest my biggest backer, but he said maybe that's the wrong thing for me to do is back you. I seem to get overshadowed in his shadow. You know, Al was such a, a dynamic personality that a lot of things. Uh, it was never my team; it was always his team, and that's you know, that's just the way it was. I accepted that, but I didn't. You know, I don't accept what the facts uh, prove. You know, it's it's kind of confusing and frustrating at times. But what am I going to do? I I'm not a, I'm not a voter. I, I just uh, I, I coach for the Raiders. I still do the radio broadcast with the Raiders. A long time. Uh, a lot of first things that I did in this league that were the first things in this league. We're with former quarterback and coach Tom Flores on the Talk of Fame Network. And Tom, question about today's Raiders: How gratifying is it to see? the Oakland Raiders back on the map, and is the NFL a better place with the Raiders being relevant now? I think so. I, I really do. You know, when, when you look at the glory of this, this franchise and how it became one of the, these franchises uh, of, of note, Monday Night Football was just magical for the Raiders. I think during, during John and my career, I think we only lost like two or three Monday Night games. Uh, and uh, that was 19 years of football. Uh, so... Uh, you know, to see them win and, and and get some prominence going and get some, so there's light at the end of the tunnel for them, and I think that's pretty good because the uh, the Raiders need to be relevant again in the National Football League. You know, we have so many fans all over all over the country, West Coast, East Coast. They need to be relevant again. Is it the quarterback that's changed thing? You know, it seems to be, as you pointed out earlier, such a league now where if you don't have a quarterback, as our friend Dave McGinnis says, you're just playing rugby. Uh, and now it looks like you all have a quarterback. Is, is that really the difference between this team and some of the other teams? I think it is. I think it's a big difference because if you don't have that guy, then, then it doesn't matter who the other guys are because he's not going to get the job done for you. And I think the Raiders, unfortunately, in the last 10 years have made some dramatic you know, mistakes in drafted quarterbacks, Demarcus Russell being one of them. When you make a mistake with your number one draft choice, especially the guy, the first guy taken in the draft, you set your team back. And any number one, especially a quarterback, and they just haven't done a good job in the last three or four years. The Raiders have done a better job drafting, uh, and you know Reggie McKenzie is doing a good job. And right now, Jack Del Rio is uh, is seems to have good control of this team, and uh, they're young. They're still young. The quarterback is only his second year. The running backs in his third year. The corners are all young. Everybody in the defensive backfield is young, except for for. Uh, Charles Wilson, and look what he's doing. What a warrior he is! So it's it's kind of it's fun to see them learning how to win again. And Jack, when he came in, he said, "We're we've got to change this the atmosphere around here." And he's done a lot to do it. And even though they they still don't know where they're going to be playing next year or the year after, but but they're uh, they do know that there's a silver and black again. Tom, can they sustain it? I don't know that. I don't know if they're deep enough to do that. Uh, you know, I, I really don't know. That's the, the big question right now. Playing Denver at home, that'll be a big game. I mean, that'll be a huge game uh, for not only, you know, for the public but and the Raider fans, but for the players because this will be the first really big game that they've had to win in a long, long time. And uh, if anything will make you grow up fast, it's a game like that. Hey, Tom, we've, we've got about 30 seconds left. I want to ask you a quick question here. Ron, next okay. February, will try to make the Hall of Fame case for Ken Stabler. What would you uh, want voters to know about Kenny, and why do you think he belongs in the Hall of Fame? I think when you look at Kenny Stabler, you look what he did for the Raiders. How many times 
we were in playoffs so many times. We were in big games and won big games and, and unfortunately lost big games. Uh, how consistent he was. Uh, what a great personality he was. Uh, and, uh, you know, like I said, I don't like to compare to other people, but it, there's some people that are there that didn't even do half of what he did. And, and I don't know. It's To me, it's a mystery why he's not in there. Hey, Tom, thanks for the time, and hopefully we'll see you again in Canton and not as a spectator, if you know what I mean. <laughs> I know that. I appreciate it. I appreciate you guys. Thanks for the call. Thanks for the interview, and, and uh, Godspeed. Thanks, thanks Tom. Tom. Thanks, Tom. We want to thank all of today's guests for rejoining us, Derek Burns for producing us, and you for listening to us. If you want to hear more of today's program or any program, just go to our website, talkoffamenetwork.com, or dial us up on iTunes, or catch us on your podcast app. Otherwise, tune into this station at this time next week. We'll look for you then. Hey, we love Burger King Grilled Dogs. They're made with 100% beef, and they're 100%. Mm-hmm. They're so good, they make us want to sing like... Mm-hmm. I can't believe it. Burger King made a grilled dog. July 23rd is the most important holiday of the year, National Hot Dog Day. Celebrate by going to Burger King and asking for the Dollar Classic Grilled Dog deal. How else are you going to celebrate? Try the $1 Classic Grilled Dog only at Burger King. At participating restaurants, July 23rd, limit five per transaction while supplies last. Hi, this is Lori Grenier. You've seen me on Shark Tank. Throughout my career, I've developed hundreds of innovative products that make people's lives easier. That's what Cabbage does for small business owners. They've developed a simple and flexible way for business owners to access a line of credit of up to $100,000. Apply online or from your phone. You will get a decision in minutes and can start using your funds immediately. Cabbage has provided over $2 billion to 80,000 small businesses like yours. To get started, visit Cabbage.com or call 888-CABBAGE. Make Cabbage your first resort for business funding. Hi, Tom Bodette. Seems like everyone's got an idea for a startup. From innovations like laundry sharing to startups that help other startups start up. Well, rather than starting up, Motel 6 is starting fresh by renovating rooms nationwide, still for the lowest price of any national chain. It's a smart place to invest your capital every time you venture. Unlike my cat cologne startup, fail. I'm Tom Bodette, and we'll leave the light on for you. Book online at motel6.com. There's a reason why so many celebrities use Proactive. Their faces are their money. And it's time for you to get it because Proactive has set up a special 800 number. For just $19.95, you'll get Proactive and a rotating deep cleansing brush. A $45 value, yours free. For only $19.95, you're guaranteed to get clear and stay clear or your money back. Here's the number, 1-800-644-5944. Call now for a lifetime of beautiful skin. 1-800-644-5944. 